Welcome to Reframe the Game. My name is Kent Games. I'm an athletic trainer, educator, and lover of breakthroughs. In this perspective shifting podcast, we bring you the mindset, the motivation, and the methods to help you develop as a conscious healthcare provider. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's dive in. We've partnered with OnlineTherapy.com, that's Online-Therapy.com, a complete counseling toolbox where you get the support and tools you need to be happier, and it's all based on cognitive behavioral therapy. Head over to Opportune.at slash Online Therapy, that's Opportune.at slash Online Therapy, to get started for free and enjoy 20% off of your first month of therapy. Welcome back to Reframe the Game. I'm so grateful that you could join us for this episode. In today's episode, we are going to talk about radical responsibility for athletic trainers, what it is, what it isn't, how to take it, and how to leverage radical responsibility for the long game. Now, before we get into radical responsibility, we have to start with a new viewpoint on how we view the world and how we view life. I would say that much of the world works on this mindset that the world should or shouldn't be a certain way. And when we have this mindset, it creates the framework where people can either be right or they can be wrong. Radical responsibility challenges us to shift to a different mindset where there is no way life should be or shouldn't be. Life simply is. And I'll admit that this isn't the most intuitive topic because it's filled with nuance and it requires us to shift not only our mindset, but also our trained responses. It requires us to resist our nature to perceive threats. So if we look at evolutionary biology and the way our mind works and really how our mind helped us survive when we weren't at the top of the food chain, when we were scanning the horizon, when we didn't have reliable shelter, or even when we did have reliable shelter. And there were predators who were a threat to our physical safety and to our physical life. So our mind over hundreds of thousands of years has been trained to scan the horizon and to scan our environments for threats. It's beneficial from a biologic perspective to be able to perceive threats really quickly, and then to act on those threats, fight or flight or flee, or to kind of just turn off. So it's really helpful for us as humans to do that. But as we've shifted, and as our, I wouldn't say our biology has changed, but as we as humans have developed into the modern societies that we had, where our physical threats to our lives have decreased substantially, Our brain is and our mind is still working from this place where it wants to scan for threats. And our mind is unable to tell the difference between a real physical threat to our safety and a perceived threat to our ego. We interpret that information all as a threat to our physical safety. And so it's natural that our response is defensive and it's natural that our response is to avoid the situation or to defend ourselves in the situation. And radical responsibility is an invitation to resist that natural instinct to how we respond to our perceived threats. 
And so I recognize that this is difficult, but nonetheless, I believe there is some value in exploring the concept of radical responsibility in athletic training. So collectively, and as individuals, we can have conversations. And that's really what this is all about. I want you to think about today's episode as a conversation starter for the concept of radical responsibility. And we can use this as a launching pad for future conversations. We can use this as a launching pad for conversations with our colleagues. Maybe it sparks your curiosity and you want to explore and dive deeper into the concept of radical responsibility. So radical responsibility in a nutshell is defined as taking full responsibility for one's life, including one's physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, and supporting others in taking responsibility of their lives. Now, ownership and responsibility have been popular topics of conversation in athletic training for several years now, I would say probably since Jocko Willinks and, and Leif Babham's book, Extreme Ownership, came out, and then their subsequent books, Dichotomy of Leadership, and then Jocko's Field Manuals, etc. I've noticed an increased conversation about responsibility and ownership, and specifically the idea of extreme ownership, which was a term coined by Jocko in the book. And it's a perspective of taking ownership of one's practice by taking responsibility for the mistakes that you've made. Uh, the successes that you have, and all of those things that happen in our daily practice of athletic training. I appreciate this. I would say I followed extreme ownership for several years, and I practiced extreme ownership. But one thing I noticed in myself and in others as I taught the concept of extreme ownership through book clubs and through readings within the Doctor of Athletic Training program is that extreme ownership itself and the concept of that is very nuanced and it's filled with little pieces of information that I think are often overlooked in the writing. And I think it leads to humans and athletic trainers and myself. It leads to us entering what's been coined the drama triangle, where there are heroes, victims, and villains, where essentially take on different roles. I don't believe that was the intention of extreme ownership. I don't believe that that was the intention of Jocko and Leif choosing to use this language. But I think it was an unintended consequence. And even in the follow-up book, The Dichotomy of Leadership, they address this early on in the book. There was some misunderstanding of the concept and even in the title, Extreme Ownership, they attempt to clarify that with their book, The Dichotomy of Leadership. I appreciate that as well. Having read that book, I also believe that it helped clarify and add some nuance to it. But I still felt, and I observed individuals still entering this drama triangle. I'm the hero, so I'm going to take all the blame. You're the victim. You didn't have anything to do with this, so poor you. And this person is really to blame, but I'm not going to let them blame themselves because I'm going to take responsibility of it. I'm going I'm to take ownership of it. Or there would be people who would make an honest mistake and be like, well, I guess I'm the bad person, so I'm going to take responsibility. I'm going to take ownership. I made a mistake. And so I'm going to take ownership of that mistake by blaming myself, not by taking responsibility 
but rather by blaming myself and having guilt and shame that are wrapped up in this idea of quote-unquote responsibility. And the concept of radical responsibility is adapted from the work of Jim Detmer, Diana Chapman, and Kaylee Warner-Klimp, and they're part of the Conscious Leadership Group. And it provides a different way, a different lens to examine responsibility and ownership that's focused on curiosity and learning. I've found this concept to be very helpful in terms of shifting me from my pattern of wanting to blame and work in this place of blame, shame, and guilt. As a hero, I was someone who always wanted to take responsibility or really to take the blame or take fault in a situation because I thought that that's what a leader does. I take the blame, I take the fault, I take the the backlash of poor outcome if there is a poor outcome. And I found myself going back to that, but it didn't quite feel right. I observed others do it. They fell into a similar pattern that I was falling into. So in some of my readings and some of my work, I started to explore this concept of radical responsibility. And I appreciate the different framework that is focused not on outcomes, but rather on curiosity and the process of learning because I think it separates the process from the outcome. And it forces us to dig a little deeper in understanding our reactions to different threats in our lives and how even being the hero, which I think extreme ownership exaggerates, can sometimes be dangerous because it perpetuates the drama triangle and it also has some negative consequences, which we'll talk about a little later. I think about how this relates back to the profession, and I absolutely believe that responsibility and ownership are critical components to professional growth and personal vitality and professional vitality. It aids in our quality improvement efforts. It aids in developing collegial relationships with our colleagues, and it improves communication. We have to have responsibility and ownership. As leaders, as leaders in healthcare, as leaders of the patients we work with on a day to day basis, as leaders of our healthcare facility, we have to have responsibility and ownership. We can have responsibility and ownership without blame, shame, and guilt. We simply have to shift our mindset towards this idea of radical responsibility and 100% responsibility. And right now in athletic training and the way we were trained as athletic trainers, we're not really discussing responsibility as a contextual factor or ownership as a contextual factor, which influences the athletic trainer's experience in the profession and the patients that we work with and the stakeholders that we interact with on a daily basis. We're not talking about the idea that how we hold ourselves and how we take responsibility or how we approach the situation with ownership is a contextual factor for the outcomes we're seeing with ourselves in terms of our sustainability, our vitality in the profession, and also the outcomes we see at the patients and the success we have in advocating our positions with internal and external stakeholders. I believe that 
we need to spend some real time embracing the idea of developing radical responsibility skills, developing ownership skills and beliefs to better serve ourselves and the patients that we treat. We have to work not only our mindset, so shifting what we believe, we need to tie that to the motivation of how this can help us in our day-to-day practice and how it can help us in the long-range sustainability of our career. And then finally, we need to tie those that mindset and that motivation with some specific skills and methods to do this. And I think this is a, a shift that really has an opportunity to positively impact the profession and positively impact individual athletic trainers who choose to take this on. And again, if we can embrace this, we can better serve ourselves. And if we're better able to serve ourselves, if we're able to be selfish and engage in self-care better, we can better treat the patients we work with and we can better advocate for those stakeholders in our system. And so if we break down radical responsibility, it's a fundamental component in the practice of being a conscious athletic trainer. And it's really hard to do, which makes it a consistent practice. As I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, taking 100% responsibility, taking radical responsibility requires us to shift from our nature and our instinct to perceive everything as a threat. And it requires us to let go of the dominant mindset which exists in the world where there are things that should or shouldn't be. There are ways things should or shouldn't go. We have to shift away from that. The fundamental difference between extreme ownership and radical responsibility, and maybe it's not the difference, but the thing that is highlighted in radical responsibility that I think is often lost in the concept of extreme ownership is that Taking responsibility, whether you take responsibility through the radical responsibility paradigm or you take responsibility through the extreme ownership paradigm, taking responsibility is not placing blame. That's the key difference. I I think probably if you zoom out and you had conversations between the extreme ownership disciples and the radical responsibility disciples, and everyone got into a room and they had a conversation they would be saying the same thing. I believe that in the interpretation of extreme ownership, the idea of removing blame is lost in the description of how it works. But I ultimately believe that both radical responsibility and extreme ownership focus on taking responsibility and not placing any blame. Now, that's not to say that blame isn't effective. Blame is a really powerful motivator, and it's a common tool in leadership. It's a common tool in healthcare. It's a common tool in our society in general. It's powerful. No one wants to be blamed for anything. It creates this system where we have heroes, victims, and villains. And it allows us to blame others. It allows us to take the blame for ourselves, and it allows us to blame the system. Blame isn't just an interpersonal thing. 
It can be an intrapersonal thing, or it can be kind of an external thing. I'm going to blame the system that I'm in. And that feels good. It feels good to remove responsibility and place blame. It also feels good to take responsibility and also take blame. But if we look at blame more closely, we can see that blame is really based in toxic fear. All of these negative emotions that are often used to manipulate ourselves or, you know, to place us in a position of not being good enough, to place us in a position of being at fault. And it's also used to manipulate relationships with other people. So the idea is that there's this fear around being blamed or being shamed or feeling guilt. And it's not a really healthy place to be in. It's not a healthy place for an individual to be in. And it's not really healthy if you're the victim or you're the perpetrator. Neither place is a healthy place to be in. And it leads to psychological stress. And that stress can impact our vitality and it can lead to indicators of burnout. And it may even lead to some cynicism and wanting to leave the profession or really remove ourselves from a certain situation. When we blame, we create the drama triangle. And I talked about the drama triangle briefly, but I'll spend some more time on it now. You know, if you think about a triangle, so their triangle has three sides and also has three corners. At each of the corners, there is one of the following. There's the hero, there's the victim, and then there's the villain. The hero obviously comes and saves the day. The victim is the person in the triangle where everything is happening to them. They aren't ever at fault. They aren't ever to blame. They never take responsibility. Life is just happening to them. Not Life's not happening for them. Whatever the mistake was, if we want to call that a mistake, whatever the mistake was is negatively impacting them. And then there's the villain. And the villain works from the perspective of trying to be the bad person, that they are the ones to blame. They are the ones that perpetrated the the act. And victim and villain are pretty obvious on the surface how they can lead to blame, shame, and guilt. I feel like the hero is a little more difficult to understand. And maybe that's because I identified as a hero for so long. Naturally, as an athletic trainer, I want to help people. I wanted to serve people. I wanted to be there in their times of need. And so I think that that mindset, that conversation really placed myself in this place where I wanted to be a hero. I don't know if anyone else can relate to that. But it really resonated with me that I'm going to take the blame, I'm going to take the fault for whatever happens in my practice or in day-to-day life, whether or not I, I thought I contributed to it or not. But the research on heroine and the drama triangle is pretty clear as well. It's toxic too. Being the hero, or heroine as it's coined, can lead to burnout. Because you're consistently and constantly coming in to save the day. Again, if we're working from the mindset that the way the world should be this way or the world shouldn't be that way, we're constantly coming in and fixing the problem when the world doesn't work the way it's supposed to. And that's burdensome, that's emotionally draining. It's like the, you know, the concept of you're taking parts of you to help solve other people's problems. 
but at the end of the day, you don't have anything left for yourself. There's a meme or a drawing that, that's coming to mind right now where there's two people and they're both made of bricks. In this case, the hero is this person who is constantly taking bricks from themselves, uh, taking bricks from one of their legs and giving it to the other person, the victim, or maybe even the villain in, in the drama triangle. And the quote is something like, you can't give yourself up in order to fix other people's problems or to fix other people's challenges. And I think that's really the basis by which heroine can lead to burnout because we're constantly coming in and we're taking parts of ourselves, parts of our emotional health, parts of our mental health, maybe our physical health and our spiritual health, and we're giving our time, energy, and effort and we were feeding the drama triangle, and it feels good because we feel like we're contributing, but slowly but surely, it's eating away at who we are and the energy that we have. In other conversations, we can talk about how we can refill that and move ourselves closer to the source so we constantly have access to things that refill or refuel ourselves, but it's a consequence of the drama triangle. And the shift that has to happen for radical responsibility to work is the new mindset or the new belief that there is no way life should or shouldn't be. Life simply is. And if you want to know whether or not, like, what, what's the perspective that you bring into the room, have you ever said the phrase, I messed up? or she messed up, or he messed up. If you're using that language, like, I messed up, that was my fault, you're probably in a space where you're placing expectations that you shouldn't have done that. So you're in that mindset of where the world should or shouldn't be a certain way. And if you're there, welcome to the club. Again, like I mentioned at the beginning, much of the world works in this way. That's the dominant mindset that at least is present in the United States. I can't speak for the rest of the world, but it's certainly a dominant mindset which exists in our daily interactions, especially in the more traditional settings in the secondary school, college, university, professional sports settings, where everyone believes they should win every game, or everyone believes that the other team is bad, or there's a winner and a loser. And if there's not a winner and a loser, then it's not the way it works. And they always want to be the winner because if they lose, that means there's something inherently wrong with them. They're inferior in some way. It's looking at a finite game mindset and it's everywhere. So if you find yourself there, don't feel bad. Don't beat yourself up. Don't blame yourself. Don't feel any shame. Don't feel guilty. Simply acknowledge that. Because self-blame is equally as damaging as blaming other people or circumstances, and it's not taking radical responsibility. So if you're saying things like, I messed up, or I made a mistake, then you're blaming yourself. That's not taking radical responsibility. That is continuing to blame, insert blame, into the drama triangle, and it just gets us spun up. And it's not really solving the problem. We could solve the problem by also taking responsibility, but when that responsibility is tied together with blame, it creates unnecessary pain and discomfort. And the approach with radical responsibility first is letting go of what should or shouldn't be, and rather 
just let go of the expectations. Just approach life with curiosity and a sense of learning. Instead of saying, I messed up, you can say, hmm, that didn't go the way I planned. Did you really mess up? Or did the outcome just not match what you intended to do? Advantage is the premier provider of non-traditional work, advocacy, and resources while pushing the boundaries of athletic training. Follow them on social media at The Advantage and join their email list for an even deeper dive into all things non-traditional and access to even more boundary-pushing content. CBD has become increasingly popular for the treatment of pain, anxiety, focus, sleep, and more. We've partnered with Sweat CBD, who delivers 100% natural, full-spectrum CBD oil, gummies, and lotions. Head to sweatcbd.com and use code ADVANTAGE, A-T-V-A-N-T-A-G-E, for 10% off at checkout. Let's zoom out from any individual situation. Let's zoom out from any individual interaction, any individual season, any individual patient, any individual clinic. And what if learning and curiosity is the long game? What if that's the point? What if that's the point of life? To continuously learn and be curious about our world, about what we do, about how we move forward or how we progress in life? What if the point is not to be perfect? The point is not to diminish our flaws or mistakes. The point is not even to highlight our flaws and mistakes, but rather to learn from them. An easy way to kind of start trying and exploring radical responsibility is simply to ask yourself this question. There's something that doesn't go as planned. It got sideways. And just simply ask yourself this question. What can I learn from this? And when you do that, you're shifting from rigidity to curiosity and wonder. Easier said than done. I know. To move from being very rigid to curiosity and wonder. Because, you know, when I hear that and when I engage in that, I'm thinking like, I'm just running around and I, I don't have any, you know, I don't have any responsibility in my life. I'm just willy nilly and just all over the place. I like routine in my life, but oftentimes my routine becomes rigid. And so I find myself in this space quite often and it is consistent effort and it's consistent corrections. It's not necessarily trying to get to this space where I just take radical responsibility all the time. It's where I get better at noticing when I'm not taking radical responsibility. Then I can shift and I can ask that question. You know, taking radical responsibility is not terribly difficult because it simply is asking the question, what can I learn from this? What is this situation teaching me? And then that's what you become responsible for. You become responsible for the learning. You don't become responsible for the outcome because the outcome is the outcome. It's not, it should have gone this way or it should have happened that way. It simply is what it is. The outcome is a one-time thing, or maybe it's a 10-time thing, but then your job is to approach it with radical responsibility and curiosity and wonder and say, hmm, I wonder why this pattern keeps existing in my life. I wonder why nine out of 10 times the outcome that I desired isn't the outcome that happened. 
now you can take responsibility for the learning. You can't take responsibility for the outcome because the outcome is in the past and you can't be present with that. How do you correct an outcome that was different than what you expected? You can't correct that one. It's in the past. The outcome is the outcome. But what you can do is work to generate a new outcome that may be more in line with what you intended to do, but it can supersede the less than ideal outcome that you generated from your actions the first time. Where the difficulty comes in is knowing and identifying and recognizing when you are not taking radical responsibility. The process of radical responsibility, like I said, is straightforward. The challenge is overriding your instinct to be defensive, to override your mind and your natural response to say, there's a threat to my ego, there's a physical threat to me. We're not 100% of the time going to win against biology. That's simply not going to happen. But if we can get better at identifying when we are perceiving this in a way that may not actually reflect reality, then we've empowered ourselves to actually take and engage in radical responsibility. If we're constantly feeling like we're a victim or a villain or we have to save the day as the hero, or we constantly feel this threat or this shame or this guilt, or we find ourselves being blamed or blaming other people, we're just following our biology. And radical responsibility is about identifying when we're falling back into our more primitive survival instincts and then consciously choosing to shift ourselves away from that, to shift ourselves above that to this place where we can learn. It doesn't become about, I need to survive, I need to fight, or I need to flee from my survival. Rather, there is no real threat. Let's just learn. And in doing so, we've, re- we've removed that pressure. But that's the, that's the real key in radical responsibility is identifying when you've drifted. And again, we can have more conversations on drifting and shifting and the practice of that in the future, but that's the cornerstone of radical responsibility is is identifying that. How do you become better at recognizing if you've drifted? It requires you develop your self-awareness. Maybe you don't do it in the moment. Maybe it's something where you start journaling at night or you start journaling during the day for, you know, five-minute breaks every eight hours and just take five minutes to reflect on your day and then come back to that maybe once a week or, or maybe even at the end of every day and, and ask yourself, what can I learn from this? I remember feeling really stressed out with this one particular interaction. How can I learn from that? I've, I've got some questions at the end of this episode where we can really go in as prompts for you to kind of complete and for you to kind of respond to. The goal here is not to be right or wrong. There is no right or wrong, but simply to learn from your responses because you're the person who knows yourself best. And so when we are able to couple the concept of taking radical responsibility with the awareness of when we've shifted or when we've drifted out of this place where we can take it and we've moved down to our primitive survival threat detection behavior, when we're able to identify that we've drifted and then actively shift, we can get better and better and better at this. 
And again, it's a practice. It's not going to start out. You're not going to be able to do this in the moment. You may be able to do it in the moment. If you can, that's fantastic. If you can't, that's okay too. If you can't do it consistently, that's okay too. The idea here is to practice and to get better at recognizing when we drift, to get better at recognizing of when we're we're relying on our primitive behaviors and our threat detection behaviors to drive our conversation when there's not actually a threat to our physical safety and well-being. The other part of radical responsibility and kind of approaching life with this idea of curiosity and a sense of learning and a sense of wonder is to give up the need to be right. You know, the way the world should or shouldn't be it creates a framework where people are either right or wrong, or you're either right or wrong. And maybe we just need to give that up. We need to just say, there's no one that was right in this situation. It simply is what it is. Would I have liked it to be something different? Sure. But does that make you right and me wrong, or me right and you wrong? No, it is what it is. And the other way to view this through the lens of kind of life is what if the universe is conspiring in your favor? What if life is happening for you? What if the challenge and the difficulty that you're experiencing through this less than ideal outcome is happening because you need to learn a lesson? And the world is trying to say, here, learn a lesson, Alicia, and you're missing that lesson. And then you notice that the same pattern keeps showing up. It keeps showing up. It keeps showing up. What if life is happening for you? And so every single time you approach a situation that has a less than ideal outcome or maybe even an ideal outcome, it's life working for you and giving you the opportunities to grow and to develop as a human, to make a larger impact and to be more impressive as you move forward on your journey, both professionally and personally. Radical responsibility is also the process of moving the external to the internal and the internal from being right to learning. So let me say that again. Radical responsibility is the process of moving the external to the internal and the internal from being right to learning. So let's break this down a little bit. Moving the external to the internal. So we're going to take this outcome We're going to move the outcome from the external world internally. We cannot affect the outcome if it's less than ideal. So what can we affect? The process. That's the manipulation or the transformation that happens to the information when we move it from external to internal. And then the internal process of awareness and radical responsibility is examining the process and saying this was the wrong process or this was the right process and saying I need to do this right and shifting the way you have the conversation with yourself and you have the conversation with your teammates and you have the conversation with your colleagues and the patients that you work with every day. And we shift from being right, like this was the right way versus this was the wrong way. Because remember, in a radical responsibility perspective, The mindset we have to adopt is there is no right and wrong. It simply is. And we move from right and wrong to simply learning. What can we do to improve the process to potentially change the outcome? And that gives you actionable steps to insert and to learn and to grow 
and to move forward on your own journey. Another shift that radical responsibility can bring about is that radical responsibility is a way of being where there are no problems. It's like no problems. You just have opportunities to learn. There's no problems. There are no challenges. Yeah, there could be challenges, but there are no problems, no real issues. Every issue and every challenge is simply an opportunity to learn. And it's an opportunity to learn because we're disconnecting from the outcome and we're looking at the process or we're looking at the context by which we engaged in the process. And we are looking for opportunities to grow and to develop. And we're looking for opportunities to examine ourselves, to examine the process which led to the less than ideal outcome. And then we are not taking action on the less than ideal outcome. Rather, we're taking action on the process that led to the less than ideal outcome. One little caveat here about radical responsibility is radical responsibility is not telling someone else to take radical responsibility. Radical responsibility is about leading by example and moving away from blame, shame, and guilt and moving away from toxic fear. And radical responsibility is more about forming relationships with others, and making a commitment to end blame and criticism, or improving and forming a better relationship with yourself. Before we incorporate other people, let's start with ourselves. Let's develop a better relationship with ourselves to commit to end blame and criticism of ourselves and simply focus on how can I get better? How can I improve? What was missing from this situation that can get better. And then when you identify what that is, then you take 100% responsibility of that and you work your butt off to improve in that area. And then you go live life again. And guess what? Maybe as you try life again and you thought that you've identified what was leading to the poor outcome or the outcome that was less than ideal, you find that maybe there was a, some limitations in your thinking and so you, you get a similar outcome. It's a little different, but you've changed the process, but the outcome is still less than ideal. Now, you don't need to blame yourself. You don't need to criticize yourself. You simply need to ask yourself, how can I learn more? Let's look at this again. How can I improve? And once you've identified what you can improve, then you can take 100% responsibility of that thing to improve. And so when you're practicing radical responsibility, don't fall for the temptation to tell others to take radical responsibility. Yes, I'm doing a podcast episode on radical responsibility, but I don't know if once I've asked you to take radical responsibility. You may have invited yourself if you've listened to this, but my role here is not to tell you to take radical responsibility of your life. My role here is to start a conversation so you can explore this for yourself because that's the point of life. It's not that my perspective is right and that's the way it is or that anyone's perspective of life is the way it is. It simply is what it is. And our job, our role is to learn and grow and explore and approach with curiosity everything that we engage with. So maybe this episode makes you want to explore more, and then you can decide for yourself if you want to engage and learn more about radical responsibility. 
If you do choose to engage in radical responsibility or take radical responsibility or start your own journey in learning more about radical responsibility, you have to master it first and simply do the work in the shadows and and the work in the dark and the work in quiet and demonstrate to other people what taking radical responsibility looks like and then provide the opportunity for them to ask a question. And now when they've asked a question about, well, how do you do that? You seemed really calm in that situation. I felt like I made a mistake, but you didn't raise your voice at me. You didn't do any remediation with me. I didn't get punished by you. You didn't blame me. I was really curious about how you did that. Now you have the opportunity to share your practice of radical responsibility because you have an opportunity to invite them in to learn with you and learn from you. You're not placing, you're not forcing the learning on them. Rather, you all become co-creators and co-learners and co-journey people on the path that you're on. And when we look at radical responsibility, I don't think and I don't believe that it's unique to athletic training. And I think it could be applied to all parts of athletic training. I don't think it's like tied to patient care. But I think we could apply radical responsibility to how we engage with ourselves, how we engage with our patients, how we engage with coaches, stakeholders, physicians, administrators, how we engage with our colleagues, how we engage with other healthcare professionals who may be outside of athletic training, how we engage with simply the general public when we are in the public view, and even in the private view, how we engage with all the people in our lives, whether they are members of our personal life or as our professional life. Radical responsibility, like from its origins, was originally developed in business leadership and this concept of conscious leadership and how to become a conscious leader. I feel like the topic is the same, regardless of the domain or whatever subsector of the economy, whether it's healthcare or business or service or you know hospitality and tourism. I feel like the context of the conversation is the same, even though we may use different words. So if you're in hospitality and tourism, we could have, be having a conversation about customers instead of patients. But since we're in healthcare, we're using the content and the word patience to describe how we could interact with other people using radical responsibility. There are examples in business and healthcare in consumer products where the idea of radical responsibility has been incorporated at a corporate level and has shifted the corporate culture at different organizations. But right now, I think from an athletic training perspective, we can do this with ourselves right now. We don't need someone else's permission. We don't need an organization's permission or our work organization's permission to start a conversation and to start exploring radical responsibility. It's something that we can just take right now. And it's a step that we can take right now without anyone else's permission. And we can shift ourselves. And I think that's one way forward on how radical responsibility could be a regular talking point to help improve our vitality, our sustainability, to help improve patient outcomes, to help improve our quality improvement metrics, to help improve our quality improvement processes. 
is simply by people exploring and trying and serving as role models for other athletic trainers. And then those people who observe how you're behaving, ask questions, bam, there's your invitation. Now we can expand the circle of conversation around radical responsibility and really look for opportunities where we, again, where we can be co-creators of our own future in the profession by starting out as individuals who have committed to trying to learn something new through the process of radical responsibility. So to wrap up today's conversation, I want to provide an activity that we can do or that you can do to explore taking 100% responsibility or taking radical responsibility. Now, this activity was adapted from an activity that was developed by the Conscious Leadership Group, and it's been slightly adapted for the conversation today, but I did want to highlight if you have questions or you're interested in learning more about this, the Conscious Leadership Group has some great free resources available online for you to explore in your favorite search engine. Just type in Conscious Leadership Group, and I'm sure that you will get there pretty quickly. So, on to the activity. The first thing I want you to do is think about an issue or a challenge or a problem that's going on in your life or going on in your professional life right now. Think about something that's a problem or a challenge or an issue in your life. You can either write this down or you can speak it out loud. I want you to talk about the issue in overt terms. Essentially, I want you to complain. Complain about the issue. Complain about what's happening. Blame people for doing whatever happened. You can blame yourself if you want. It's okay. Be in the spot where much of the world works. Be in the spot where your primitive survival instincts and survival behaviors are dominant. We all have them. Everyone has something going on at work that we can complain about or that we can blame or there's a less than ideal outcome that, of course, it wasn't our fault but we can blame other people for, or we can blame ourselves for that. So take a couple seconds. If you need to pause this, go ahead and pause it, but either speak about it out loud or write it down, jot some notes down. So you really get this good vision in your mind of what the situation is. Now, after you've done that, I'd like to ask you to take a deep breath and simply accept responsibility. You can do this by physically moving yourself into a place in your house or your athletic training facility that you, you want to call it the responsibility zone if you want, physically move to a different location. Or if you can't move, say out loud, I accept responsibility for this situation. Simply accept responsibility. Your brain is going to want to blame. Your brain is going to want to shame. Your brain may feel guilty. Simply reaffirm to yourself, I accept responsibility for this situation. After you've done that, the next step is to work to learn about yourself and the situation by completing the following statements. I've got five statements, and go ahead and repeat them several times. So don't just fill it out once and then move on. You can fill it out all five of them and then come back and, and just spend some time journaling, spend some time in each of these spots until you feel a shift or a breakthrough or some sort of release 
from the tension that your fear detection centers in your brain, they kind of let go a little bit, and then you can step into the learning. So the first prompt is, from the past, this situation reminds me of, and then go ahead and complete the sentence or the paragraph. I'll read that again. From the past, this situation reminds me of, and then go ahead and complete the sentence or paragraph. The next prompt is, I keep this issue going on by, complete the rest of the sentence. Or, I keep this issue continuing, or I keep this issue alive, right? I keep this issue going by. So now you're looking at how you've contributed to continuing the issue or how you contributed to the less than ideal outcome. The next prompt is what I get from keeping this issue or situation going is. So even if this is something that you've repeated over and over again, you're getting something positive out of it. And that's what this question or this response or this this prompt is acknowledging. Because you wouldn't do it if it didn't serve you in some way. Maybe it served you by saving time. Maybe it served you by eliminating a challenging patient case. I don't know. Maybe it served you by improving your efficiency. Ask yourself and respond to the prompt, what I get from keeping this issue going is. The fourth prompt is, the lifelong pattern I'm noticing is. So in this prompt, you're going to zoom out a little bit and contemplate what pattern exists from a situation or a challenge or a problem that's happening at work. There's probably a pattern there. We're creatures of habit. And so if we can identify a pattern, then again, that provides opportunity for us to take responsibility and move forward and learn and grow from our previous pattern of behavior. And the last prompt is, I can demonstrate 100% responsibility concerning this issue by, make a list of actions of how you can take 100% responsibility with an understanding that you cannot change, you cannot go backwards and change the outcome. You can supersede the outcome with further action. You can learn. Probably want to learn before you supersede the action, because if you haven't learned and you try to supersede the action, probably going to result in the same outcome, which was less than ideal in this situation. So that last prompt again is, I can demonstrate 100% responsibility concerning this issue by. Again, you're going to continue these five prompts over and over and over again, until you feel a breakthrough or you feel a shift or you feel a release in yourself. You may feel this as a sense of like your chest isn't so tight. You may feel it as you're not as tense in your shoulders. You may have an emotional release if it's something that that has been a threat that you really feel is to your ego and who you are as a human being. And that's okay. That that may result in crying. You may feel that release in tingling sensation throughout your body. Or it can be intellectual. You can feel the shift in your mind where you, you get a little bit of headspace. 
where you can see that you can take responsibility here. And I just have to take it by asking myself this question, what can I learn from this situation? And then start the process of learning. Identifying what the challenges are, identifying what your process was, and linking that to how that created an outcome that was less than ideal for you, and where the deficits exist in your process, and what you can do. Maybe it's better communication with colleagues. Maybe it's there's a knowledge gap or a practice gap that you need to improve in. Maybe it's an organizational thing. There's an area to improve where you can supersede the less than ideal outcome, but with an understanding that you're never going to replace the, the outcome which was less than ideal. And by working through this process, you may experience a shift where you can release those expectations of what should or shouldn't be. And then you can just dive into learning. When you can dive into learning, when you, when you can move forward from, when you can shift away from this is the way it should be or the way it shouldn't be or I messed up or I made a mistake. If you can shift away from that and say, what can I learn here? Then you can build an actionable plan to learn about and explore those insights that you had when you responded to those five prompts that I just read. And once you've shifted that mindset and you've said, I'm doing this to learn, I'm doing this to be a better person. I'm doing this to be a better practitioner. I'm doing this to be better for the patients that I work for every day. I'm doing this to be a better professional. Then you can build the actionable plan that you need. And then from there, you can work forward to create an outcome by shifting your process that may be more desirable for you or for your work environment. And radical responsibility is a concept which holds tremendous potential for us as individuals and as professionals. By practicing radical responsibility, we have the opportunity to engage with ourselves and colleagues and patients and stakeholders in a healthy, sustainable way, which can lead to continuous quality improvement, as well as strengthen the relationships that we have and help us develop new, strong relationships with those relationships we don't have. If this topic interests you, I really want to close with inviting you to continue the conversation with your colleagues. Maybe share this podcast with a colleague who you think would have some interesting thoughts, or find someone else who's listened to this episode and have a conversation with them. Maybe you want to explore a book look up some blogs, or find some other resources on the topic about radical responsibility. Because when we remain curious, we can work to diminish blame, shame, and guilt in our lives through our own actions. MedBridge provides evidence-based courses, unlimited CEUs, a home exercise program featuring over 6,000 exercises, and much more. Use promo code THEADVANTAGE, that is T-H-E-A-T-V-A-N-T-A-G-E, to get an annual MedBridge subscription for as low as $200. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of Reframe the Game. If you found value or were inspired by this episode, 
please share it with a colleague or a friend so we can collectively have conversations in order to grow and develop both as humans and professionals.